how it lights my path, how it guides my way. But Moses protested again. What if they won't believe me or listen to me? What if they say, the Lord never appeared to you? Then the Lord asked him, what is that in your hand? A shepherd's staff, Moses replied. Throw it down on the ground, the Lord told him. So Moses threw down the staff and it turned into a snake. Moses jumped back. Then the Lord told him, reach out and grab its tail. So Moses reached out and grabbed it and it turned back into a shepherd's staff in his hand. Perform this sign, the Lord told him. Then they will believe that the Lord, the God of their ancestors, the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, and the God of Jacob, really has appeared to you. Then the Lord said to Moses, Now put your hand inside your cloak. So Moses put his hand inside his cloak, and when he took it out again, his hand was as white as snow with a severe skin disease. Now put your hand back into your cloak, the Lord said. So Moses put his hand back in, and when he took it out again, it was healthy as the rest of his body. The Lord said to Moses, If they do not believe you and, you are, not, and are not convinced by the first miraculous sign, then they will be convinced by the second sign. And if they don't believe you or listen to you even after these two signs, then take some water from the Nile River and pour it out on the dry ground. When you do, the water from the Nile will turn to blood on the ground. But Moses pleaded with the Lord, O oh Lord, I am not very good with words. I have never been, and I am not now. Even though you have spoken to me, I get tongue-tied and my words get tangled. Then the Lord asked Moses, Who makes a person's mouth? Who decides whether people speak or do not speak, hear or do not hear, see or do not see? Is it not I, the Lord? Now go, I will be with you as you speak, and I will instruct you what to say. But Moses again pleaded, Lord, please send anyone else. Shall we pray for you, Debbie? Lord Jesus, we thank you so much for your word. We thank you, Lord, that it is alive and living in us. And we thank you for Debbie and all the preparation that she's made. Lord, we ask your anointing on her as she speaks to us. Lord, would you give us teachable hearts, Lord, to hear what you're saying to us. And would you be with us, Holy Spirit. Amen. Amen. Good morning, everybody. Still is just about morning. <laughs> It's an amazing passage that we've just read there, and there is actually so much in it that is powerful, that is relevant for us as we read it together. I hope as you are listening there, you are already finding that the Lord was speaking. I believe that he is and that he wants to um, through this word, through these verses this morning. And it's a message, it's a word for anybody here who wants the Lord Jesus to use their life for his glory. Is there anybody here like that? (laughs) 
Yes, thank you. Some people's hands because you're saying, yes, Lord. There are many of us here, I know, and you've been stirred in your spirit over your relationship with Jesus, over your walk with him. And you have in your heart a hunger to say, yes, Lord, use me. Use my life. Use it in some way for your kingdom, for your glory, for your goodness, for your purposes to be accomplished on this earth. And maybe you feel like that because you've known at times in your walk with the Lord, the Holy Spirit fill you and empower you in some way. And you've seen that released into the lives of the people around you and you've seen it do something. You've seen God effect something through your life in some way. Maybe if you've known that experience, I know for me, when I was a teenager, it's kind of one of the earliest times that I can remember um, that experience for me. And many of you have heard me tell my testimony before in that way, but I won't tell the whole story. But I was on a mission trip with some other young people, and I was very, very scared, probably a bit like Moses here, because I didn't want to talk to strangers on the street about Jesus, and I thought this was a terrible idea, and I'd kind of been tricked into it. And, uh, And then... All of a sudden, the first time we went out there, the first lady I spoke to so reluctantly had my eyes down on the floor, wouldn't even give her eye contact because I thought, of course, she thought everything that we were doing and saying was crazy. And as I looked up into her face, I saw tears were running down her face and she simply said, those songs that you were singing, the young people were singing, those songs that you were singing, I don't know what it was, but somehow just I felt the love of God inside of me. And I haven't felt like that for a very, very long time, she said. And tears were running down her face. And for me, I remember in that moment, I was just, it changed everything. Because all of a sudden I realized that just little old me, who was not even ill-equipped and ungifted, but was reluctant and resistant and not wanting (laughs) to be used in that moment, that just making myself that little bit available made room for the Holy Spirit, the power of God to come and to do something, not just through me, but through all of us, that group of young people on the street in that day, and to touch that woman's heart in a way that my fumbling teenage words could obviously never have done. I couldn't understand her situation at that age of 14, but the Holy Spirit did, and he was moving in her life. And for me, I walked away from that conversation and I knew I wanted to be somebody. That might not sound very dramatic. It might not sound very life-changing in some ways. It doesn't sound like the kind of miracles that we're reading about here that happened with Moses. But I knew, nevertheless, it was the same power of God that was working in that woman's life through me. And when we've had that experience, it sets something on fire inside of us. And maybe some of us, we haven't quite known that yet or we're not so sure. But still, we look around our world and we see the problems and we see the difficulties like we've been praying into this morning. It's so helpful, isn't it, to focus and to look to the one who really can do something about these world problems that we face because otherwise we feel dwarfed by it, by the kings and the prime ministers and the presidents and their powers and uh, the decisions that they're making. We feel like we've got nothing that we can contribute and yet we 
do because Jesus Christ has opened the way for us to have an access, a direct access to the maker of heaven and earth, to the one who made it all in the first place. And he has so desired that his people, when they call upon him, he will respond and pour out his spirit, pour out his grace, pour out some power into the situations that we're praying about. And changes can happen. Stuff can be different because of that. And maybe for some of us, that's the hunger of our hearts. Lord, use me because this world needs more people who are looking to the right source of power to start moving and making a difference and changing. And that source of power is not going to be in our politicians and it is not going to be in amazing fiscal policies and it is not going to be in the decisions that are made in the corridors of power certainly not by themselves it is going to be because the God of heaven and earth is moving through his people by his spirit releasing his grace and his power and his goodness to people on the ground and that's where stuff starts to change and this story as we look at Moses and this kind of journey into a great man of God that he becomes this hero of the faith for many, many of us and certainly for the Jewish people as they look back and read their Old Testament scriptures. He was such a hero. But this journey that we read is so important for us because it's going to give us the equipping that we need to be those who can say, yes, Lord, use my life and then see the Holy Spirit moving through us. Maybe in similar ways to Moses, maybe in completely different ways, but there's a lot of work that needs to be done, and the Lord needs every single one of us. So we're going to think this morning about this story and just take hold of some areas that will help us and equip us to be used for Jesus and for his purposes. And if you're not yet convinced, if you're not yet one of those people who feels that hunger, and is saying to the Lord, yes, Lord, please use me, then my prayer also is that you'll be stirred in your spirit as you listen this morning. Because I don't know about you, but I think, you know, we exist together as a congregation here at Ixthus Forest Hill, not just to have a nice time together Sunday by Sunday, do we? Do we want to be people who are shaped and formed into an instrument that God can use? I hope so. That is certainly my prayer for each and every one of us because there's enough religion in the world and you can join a lot of different places for that. We don't just need that. We actually need to be shaped and we need to be challenged and we need to step out in faith a little bit more and a little bit more. You might feel like your step could only be tiny today because of where you're at. That's okay. The Lord wants to use all of us. And I want us just to think for a moment about the people that we have been blessed by in our lives, the people that we know God has used for his purposes, perhaps some heroes of the faith in your mind. I wonder if they are people who were um, alive in history or if they're people who are still around today, but people that you admire in the faith, who you have seen the wonderful power of God at work in them and through them, you know, bringing salvation to people or strengthening people's faith or healing broken hearts or seeing the power of healing flow into people's bodies through their prayers, or maybe you've seen those who've can see demonic bondages in people's lives being broken, whatever it is, and you've seen those people and you've thought, wow, they're such a hero of the faith, you know, the Lord uses them so beautifully. 
Maybe it's people in history. Maybe your heroes are John Wesley or Catherine Coleman or somebody else. Maybe it's people who are alive today like Jackie Pullinger or Roger Forster or whoever it might be. Maybe it's somebody who's not famous at all and nobody else would know their name, but you know you've seen people who prayed for you or who gave you a word of encouragement from the Lord or gave you some wise advice that helped you in your life by the Holy Spirit and helped you walk along your journey of faith or pointed the way to Jesus for you. There's all kinds of heroes, aren't there? And I wonder if we think about them, do we know why they were called and why they were used by the Lord in those ways? Why is it that the Lord used those people in those specific ways? For sometimes, I think we think about that and we think it must be because of their great gifts or their particular abilities. Or we think it must be because of their particular opportunities or circumstances that they've had. Or maybe it's their flair and their personality. I don't know. But this story today that we've read about Moses, it shows us that it is not those things that qualify us to be used by the Lord for his kingdom and for his purposes. It is not our gifts and abilities that qualify us. It is not our circumstances or lack of, or our opportunities or lack of, that qualify us to be used by the Lord. Because the first question that God asks Moses in this passage today is, what is that in your hand? What is in your hand? And Moses says, well, it's my staff, you know. And that is where God begins to use Moses. That is where the beginning of this huge demonstration of power that is going to take place through Moses begins. It begins with him looking down at what is already in his hand, what is already a symbol of his work, his everyday life, his labor, this staff that represents what he leaned on to get around in the wilderness, what he used to count his sheep and herd his sheep as a shepherd in those days, what he used to fight off the wolves and the desert animals who were coming to attack the flock. This staff of Moses, it represented quite simply his everyday life and resources, the stuff he did every day. It's not glamorous, it's not amazing, it doesn't look particularly miraculous or powerful. It's just the stuff of his life. What's in your hand? It's just, it's my staff. It's my life. It's my everyday. And you know, I love that question. I love the fact that this is where God begins with Moses because he asks every single one of us that same question today. He's saying to us, what is in your hand? What do you have right now to serve me with? What is your everyday life about? And we can start there and we can start looking to the Lord to ask him to let the power of Jesus flow through that everyday life, circumstance, activity, work, resources. Because the Lord wants to call and use everyone 
for his purposes. And he wants all of us to play our part in his kingdom. And it's not just for some specially gifted people. And it's not just for those with certain gifts or opportunities. It's not just for people who will end up maybe going into full-time ministry or working for the church or something like that. He's asking all of us this morning just to look down and to see right now what is in your hands and then to listen to him for how he wants you to use it so that he can release his power and his blessing into the world. So I want us to think about that for a moment. What are your hands full of right now? And keep your ears open, because as we go on, I believe the Lord is going to speak to some of us about how he wants to release his Holy Spirit through those things. Even the difficulties and the pressures and the battles and the circumstances of our lives that we think are not conducive to God's presence, his work, and his spirit. He wants us to lay them before him and say, how? What do you want to do, Lord? How do you want to empower me? I was thinking, I asked Chris's permission if I could share this little um, example, because it was such a beautiful example. But yesterday, Chris Wise joined us um, for Church on the Street. Now, in the past, Chris has been a very key and regular participator in church on the street but of recent months his health has meant that he's not been able to come and stand out on the streets with us and do the stuff and and uh, give out the leaflets and talk to people and so on but this yesterday when we gathered in Ictha's house Chris came along and he said we were all really happy to see him and surprised and he said well I'm just going to come and pray with you before you go out because I can't really come out and stand on the streets right now, but I'm just going to come and pray with you just for these short time. Now, we don't pray for hours and hours. It was a short time. It was probably 20 minutes or something like that, that we were together in that place. But I want to say that it was such an encouragement and such a beautiful example, actually, of this, because instead of saying, well, I can't do that stuff anymore, I can't be there anymore because of this, that, or the other, he was looking down at what's in his hands and saying, but Lord, how do you want to flow through what I have? and what I can do, and who I am right now, in all my restrictions or limitations, if that's how it feels. And there he was, he acted upon it. And you know, our prayer time was actually, I would say, particularly significant um, yesterday morning, because there were at least two things that we prayed specifically about together, that then we saw fulfilled in our conversations on the streets that day. And the Lord was moving in it. But not only that, we just felt the encouragement of it. We felt the strength of that sense of there's some people who are with us in spirit and praying. And God is on the move. And beautiful things are going to happen from our outreach. And I want to encourage us, all of us this morning, because sometimes we think the Lord can't use me or he doesn't use me or I don't have that gift or I don't have that opportunity. And none of these things is what qualified Moses for his job. It was not his gifts and abilities and it was not his opportunities and circumstances that qualified him. And in fact, the opposite was true for Moses. Because think about it, Moses was being called, the job he was being called to do by God was to speak, wasn't it? First and foremost, to speak to Moses and to speak to Pharaoh and to speak to the elders of Israel, God has told him. And immediately he's telling us in this story and in the passage before that this is not his skill. This is not his gift. This is not really what he is good at, in fact. 
And actually, in this passage we've read today, it is not Pharaoh even that he is worried about speaking to. Did you notice? It is the elders of Israel that he is most worried about speaking to. And when at the end of this passage in verse 10, Moses says about himself, oh, I'm slow of speech, I'm slow of tongue, you know, my words get all tangled up or however your version puts it. It could well be that for Moses, he is genuinely worried that he simply does not have the command of the Hebrew language to speak to the elders of Israel in a convincing way. Because do you remember Moses' circumstances? He was brought up in the Egyptian palace. His first language would have been Egyptian. His education would have been in Egyptian. And yes, I'm sure that his mother instilled in him um, all that Hebrew language. I'm sure there were ways that he gave himself to also learning that. But very possibly, he stood there and thought, as soon as I open my mouth to these Israelite people around me, they're going to see me as an imposter. Maybe he couldn't speak the language properly. Maybe he spoke with an accent. Maybe he felt that as soon as he spoke, it would disqualify him from being any kind of spokesperson for this um, people group that was so abused and put down and oppressed in that time. Because He sounded like someone who was on the other side. You get it? He sounded like one of Pharaoh's buddies. (laughs) And he's saying, I I can't do this job. As soon as I speak to them, they are not going to listen. They're not going to give me any credence. They're not going to give me any space. And he had good reason to think that he might be rejected by those Israelite elders, didn't he? Because back in chapter 2, we didn't look at this part of the story in detail, but we see him try to step in. Remember, there are some Israelite slaves being mistreated by an Egyptian slave master, and he steps in, and then he kills the Egyptian. But instead of being grateful to him, you know, oh, thank you, Moses, you saved us, the Israelites say to him, well, who made you the prince over us, you know? What makes you think you're our great champion? Why? Because he probably spoke different, looked different, had different experiences and upbringing from them, different opportunities, not the ones that fit him for the job of leading the Israelites out of slavery, you might think. So you know, Moses had already experienced that kind of rejection and disappointment. He tried to step out and be used by God. He tried to do something useful for the Lord and it hadn't worked out and he'd had the door shut on him. And all these things show us that in fact, very far from his gifts and abilities, his opportunities and his circumstances, perfectly placing him to be this person that God used and let his power flow through, it was nothing to do with that. Yes, of course, when Moses said yes to God, then the Lord could incredibly and miraculously use his particular circumstances and opportunities and abilities. But it was not those that qualified him to have the power of God moving through his life. And it is not those things I want us to take hold of this morning that qualify you or me or anybody. We open our life to the Lord and he starts to flow through. And I just want us to think before we... Um, close and pray together this morning. I want us to think about three areas of kind of training 
that Moses needed to go through because he didn't need to be qualified in any way other than to say yes <laughs> and yes Lord I want to be used by you but that conversation at the burning bush doesn't end there it doesn't end with him saying okay Lord yes I'll do it there's a long kind of encounter that happens after that and we saw it depicted for us by Liz and the children earlier didn't we where his staff is thrown down and it turns into a snake and his hand is put into his robe and when it comes out it's leprous and then it's healed again when he puts it back in and there is water or it's promised that water from the Nile can be poured out and it will turn into blood. These great signs and these great wonders that God shows him why is he doing that? Well, it's because Jesus was taking him through, or the Lord was taking Moses through a kind of training encounter, and we need the same thing. We need the same equipping, a kind of burning bush training encounter with the Lord to help us, because did you know, if you're somebody who seeks to be used by the Lord in your life, you're going to find immediately that there is opposition to that, and that there is enemy pressure on that, and you're going to find difficulties, and if you are not ready and prepared and equipped for it, you're probably going to find that that will knock you off course very quickly, cause you to stumble, cause you to go off track, cause you to get distracted in what the Lord is really wanting to bring forth from your life. And we need, like Moses, to recognize and go through this training. So we can see here that God prepares Moses for the three great enemies that any of us are going to need to be ready to overcome. Three great enemies to God's purposes that we will all encounter if we seek to be used by the Lord. And they come out in this story. We call them the world, the flesh, and the devil, usually in that order. But in this story, I think we see them, the devil, the flesh, the world, coming out in these three wonders. What is God showing him? He is opening Moses' eyes to see you are going to find opposition. There's going to be a struggle. There's going to be a battle. And you need to recognize it because those battles and that opposition will hide itself away in places that seem not dangerous. In fact, places that might seem the kind of places we need to lean on. And so these three wonders that the Lord does through Moses are also three signs to him. So on one level, they're simply the signs that say the power of God is with you, Moses, and that will be demonstrated to the elders of Israel, and that will be demonstrated to Pharaoh and be enough to convince them. But on another level, on a deeper level, they are signs that help us to be aware of what we need to overcome as followers of Jesus who want to be used by him. So firstly, the sign of the staff and the snake. That is a picture, isn't it? The snake is a picture throughout scripture of the devil, of the enemy, of Satan himself. And it was also a picture of the demonic powers that empowered Egypt and the Egyptians. They worshipped snakes in their religions. And um, it was a picture that the enemy himself would oppose Moses' work. But then we get the sign of the flesh, the picture of his hand turning leprous. That's a picture of the way that the flesh can be corrupted by sin. And in fact, throughout scripture, 
we find that leprosy is a sign or a symbol of sin. Often in the prophets, when they talk about the sin of Israel, it's using these terms of of leprosy, that kind of corrupting and rotting disease. And Moses is warned that there will be the flesh that tries to pull him back and stumble him in his service of the Lord. And finally, in the sign of the Nile water and the blood, we can see that picture of the world. The world and all its resources, you know, that river Nile that ran through Egypt, that was its source of power and strength and wealth and trade and might. Um, And it was also worshipped as a kind of god. And these resources, the provision and the protection of Egypt are symbolized in the water of the Nile. It's like the resources and protection of the world. And actually those three forces, the world, the flesh and the devil, don't we see those attacking and opposing Jesus himself when he was called into the wilderness? Remember when Jesus was about to start his ministry, start his life and and, uh, activity before God publicly and it says the Holy Spirit pushed him out into the wilderness and he encountered the enemy, encountered temptations and testings by the devil And one of those testings was to do with feeding the flesh. Turn the stones into bread. And another one was to do with the temptations of all the glories of the kingdoms of this world. And the devil said, you can have all of these things if you'll just worship me. The same enemies rose up to oppose and distract and detract Jesus from his mission. And they will do the same for us unless we're ready to overcome them. And God was showing Moses in this how to identify these enemies, not to be ignorant of them, not to be ignorant of their influences and how to overcome them. So God said to Moses, as he threw down his staff and it turned into a snake, he said, Moses, be careful what you are leaning on. And that's what he says to us if we want to be used by him. Be careful what you are using to lean on? Are you just looking to human resources, human structures, human provisions to sustain you and keep you going? Are you putting your faith in your job or your finances or your home to get you through life? Is that what you're leaning on? Because if so, you might find when you look a bit closer, when your eyes are opened, that actually that is a snare to you. The enemy's in there to rise up and bite you or knock you off course if that's what you're leaning on. And that's why he was called to lay it down before the Lord and say, Lord, I'm not putting my faith in that stuff. My job, my finances, my whatever, whatever I think is stabilizing in my life, I lay it down because I don't want it to be a, source of the enemy getting in to oppose me and then of course the Lord says to him okay this is how you pick it up again and he grabbed it and it became something he could use and walk with safely and steadily again but he had to do that laying down and he had to have his eyes opened because otherwise it can be a trap to us, can't it? The structures of the world that we use to make us feel safe and secure. And I was reminded of the story of an amazing businessman 
guy called Robert Gilmore Letourneau, who was a great example of somebody who, who laid down that staff, if you like. He did it by saying right from the earliest days of his business, he was someone from the last century, an American Christian businessman who was quite famous for inventing um, earth-moving machinery. And he was incredibly successful, but as a Christian, right from his earliest days in his business, when he was not doing well, he made a commitment to the Lord that he was going to reverse tithe. That means that he was going to give 90% of his income away and just live off the 10. And that was his way of laying the staff down, if you like, of saying, you know, this is not where my security is. I'm trusting in something else. For others of us, it will be different ways we express it. But the Lord really blessed that heart. And we need to know that our security is in the right things if we're going to be used by the Lord. Just two more things before we close. The Lord then said to Moses, be careful what is in your flesh as you reach out to serve the Lord, as you reach out to be used by him, as you put your hands to the task. Watch out, think about it, be careful what is in your flesh. Is there something contaminating? Is there something polluting? Is there something rotting? Is there disease and corruption that has set in? Because if we as the people of God, if we don't keep our flesh clean and in check, if we don't bring it before the Lord regularly, we'll find that stuff just starts to rot. And then more than that, when we try to use our lives for the Lord, we're going to spread that contamination around And Moses was being taught here by the Lord, if you're going to be used by me, you need to think about where your flesh is at. And you need to put your hand on your heart. That's what he told him to do. Put your hand in your robe, Moses. Put your hand on your heart and bring it to the Lord and say, Lord, is there anything that needs cleansing in me? Is there anything that needs forgiving in me? Is there anything that needs washing in me? Because I don't want to put my hand to your task and bring the contamination of leprosy into stuff because I just didn't deal with the sin in my life. If you want to be used by the Lord, you're going to need a regular rhythm like Moses. The hand in, the hand out. The hand in, the hand out. Lord, Where is my heart at with you? What are the attitudes of my heart? Where is there resentment in my heart? Where is there unforgiveness in my heart? Where are there attitudes that can fester and grow and turn into something ugly? Where is there anger or resentment? It's not good enough to say, well, no one else can see it, so it doesn't matter. If you want to be used by the Lord and not be reaching out with a contaminating hand, we need to come in that rhythm of saying, Lord, my heart is here before you you please cleanse me of fleshly attitudes of fleshly behaviors of stuff that I justify and say well I'm okay to think like that that I deserve to think like that I was treated badly I've got an offense that I'm carrying I've got all kinds of really good reasons why I think and feel and speak that way in private but put on a nice face to everybody else if you want to be someone used by the Lord we've got to get into a rhythm 
of putting our hand on our heart and saying, please, Lord, cleanse me from those sins of the flesh, the attitudes and the behaviors that in the end just look nothing like Jesus. Because when we reach out, then we can do it. And we know we've got clean hands and a pure heart. And we have that rhythm, don't we, in our church life together, when we break bread together and we take communion. But we need to do it more than that. We need to bring our hearts to the Lord if we want to be used by him. And finally, the Lord said to Moses, make sure that you don't just drink freely from those waters of the Nile. What are you drinking? Where are you drinking from? Don't just dip up big jar loads of this Nile water and guzzle it back. (laughs) You know, all the waters that made Egypt so great and prosperous and powerful because what you may find is that in there, there's something that brings death instead of life. And you know, this world and this life may offer us all sorts of amazing things that look like they're going to quench our thirst and make us feel refreshed and energized and happy and give us life. You know, particular friends or relationships or promotions or opportunities or commendations and praise from certain quarters or favors that the world can bestow. And it can look good to just drink all of those things down. can look like the sort of thing we need to do. But we've got to let the Lord show us whether that will really give us life or not. We need to think about what we're drinking in, where we're getting our life from. And for some of us, that might mean at times closing our hearts and refusing the favors of the world. I think many of my heroes of the faith are people who have stories like that in their lives, where they were offered something that they could have taken that would have given them huge favor in the world's eyes. And they said no, they shut their heart to it. Not because you have to do that regardless all the time, but because in their heart they knew, I don't want to drink from the waters of the Nile, I want to drink from the living water that flows from heaven. And sometimes the living waters give you a different kind of life, the life that other people don't get and don't rate and don't think looks very impressive. With Jesus... Those living waters he offered that woman by the well, well, he was just sat there talking to a woman no one else wanted to talk to. Somebody obscure and unimportant. But that was the living water that truly gave life. And at the end of that encounter, he was able to say to his disciples, I'm fed. (laughs) I've got food to eat you know nothing about. What did he mean? He meant, Holy Spirit used me right now with that woman pointed her to the truth about Jesus. That is life-giving, but it's a different kind of water from the stuff the world offers that will give you applause and approval and praise in all kinds of places. So I want us to pray as we finish together today. And I just put a couple of things on this slide. I want to give us a moment to listen to the Lord, because I really felt that. I felt it was so good that Ian chose that song earlier, actually, about um, I will set my face to seek the Lord. Because when I was praying about this morning, I really felt the Lord is saying, I really want to speak to my people specifically so they can hear my voice. And Steve echoed that as well earlier. So I want to say it again as we close now. We're just going to pray quietly together. But 
you might want to think about these two questions or these two thoughts. First of all, what do I have in my hands and how does the Lord want to use it? Maybe some of us have just not seen ourselves like that before and the Lord is saying, even you have got stuff to do for me. He says that to all of us. What's in your hands? How can it be used? So let the Lord speak about that. And for others of us, we know, as we've been listening this morning, we've just felt the world, the flesh, the devil, we've felt them pressing in. And it's probably because you've been stepping out in faith. It's probably because you want to be used by Jesus in different ways. But don't get knocked off course. Don't get distracted from what the Lord's giving us to do. If we're feeling that pressure, let's ask the Lord to equip us, show us, open our eyes to it so that we know how to overcome. So I'm going to be quiet for a moment and then I'm just going to pray for all of us. But let's listen to the Lord. Thank you, Lord. Just as soon as we started to be quiet and listen, I just saw... Um, a picture of somebody and it was as though as you started to listen into your mind there came a, the flash of like the image of a snake like the one that Moses saw I just felt the Lord was speaking to you about an area of your life and you hadn't realized the enemy was kind of trying to hide in it he was just showing you he was giving you a revelation for a moment there of something that needs laying down before the Lord So, Lord Jesus, I want to pray for each and every one of us, Lord. And I pray particularly for those who know they felt the world, the flesh, the devil pressing in and trying to rob them of their work for you. And in Jesus' name, we just declare the goodness and the grace of God to flow over each and every one. Lord, would you fill us afresh this morning with your Holy Spirit. And help us, Lord, to rise up and overcome. Lord, if there are some brave decisions that need to be taken to just shut the door on some things that are oppressing us, in Jesus' name, Lord, let courage be released in every single one of us, Lord, that we might rise up and fulfill what you have given us to do. In Jesus' name. And Lord, I pray for all of those who are just now saying to you, Lord, I want to be used by you. Show me how. Show me what, show me what I can do. Lord, I pray that even this week there will be testimonies rising up of beautiful moments of encounter with you where your spirit moves and somebody is touched or blessed or pointed to Jesus and there is something of your kingdom work um, happening and taking place through our lives. Lord, I pray every single one of us, from those who've been Christians for donkey's years to those of us who are newer in the faith, Lord, I pray in Jesus' name we will know that we are the kinds of people that your spirit can move through and work through. So Lord, raise us up into a people who accomplish what you've called us to do in your name. Amen. Amen. Thanks, Steve.
that you're leaving. 